Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. Questions are being raised about a new so-called grocery store in downtown South Bend. The store would help alleviate the food desert in the area. Developer Dave Matthews promised the store as part of a development on the East Bank, but the so-called store WSBT 22 saw Monday isn't much. It's a project that began when developer Dave Matthews laid out plans for his apartment building. After a soft opening of the store over the weekend, Matthews says it's just the beginning. A project that's been in the works for a half a decade showed some signs of completion over the weekend. But are these few tables enough to satisfy the city? According to developer Dave Matthews, the soft opening for the grocery store on the first floor of his 300 East LaSalle apartment building was a success. The opening had a deadline of December 31st, placed by the city. The 1231 deadline was originally maybe set eight months or a year ago. We got an extension, and then we've asked for another extension, but that hasn't been approved or denied yet. The extensions are actually governed by the regional city's um, board, the Redevelopment Authority. and But without having that extension, then we had to open by the end of the year. But this project is not without controversy. Back in September, WSBT 22 News told you city officials were concerned over Matthews not showing up at a redevelopment commission meeting. Matthews says the skepticism about the project can be attributed to unforeseen delays, including supply chain and COVID-related issues. It's been really tough, but we live in the neighborhood, we work in the neighborhood, we're not some fly-by-night out-of-state developer. We care. But the city isn't so sure. Allison Zeithammer, director of communication for the mayor's office, said, quote, Given the observed holiday, there has not been an inspection or site visit yet in 2023. But all options are on the table, including the agreement's clawback provision if the city determines there has been a failure to meet every written commitment by the deadline, end quote. Matthew says the soft opening was just the start, and that soon this grocery store will be one that will serve South Bend with pride. We want it to be a beautiful space that people want to visit, that they can find food that they want to eat, and that it's a nice addition to the neighborhood. Matthews went on to say his goal is to have the store ready and fully functioning by the end of January. WSBT 22's Leo Goldman reporting. More on this from Mayor James Mueller coming up. Last Monday and Tuesday's weather was a drastic change from what we've seen in recent weeks. People across Michiana enjoyed the tail end of the holiday season, but depending on where you are, it could look incredibly different. The unseasonably warm weather proved to be a hit for some local spots, including some you wouldn't expect. One thing you're not used to seeing on a Michiana January day, this. A golf course that's not only green, but one that's being played on. Golfing in January in uh, Elkhart or Granger, Indiana is just Way over the top. I mean, it's great. Uh, what do we like? 50 degrees today, 63 degrees tomorrow. But less than an hour north, the scene for people enjoying a Monday off, drastically different. I'm snowboarding. And don't be fooled by the snow. It's pretty much the same temperature here that people are golfing in in Granger. 
How? We had that wonderful blizzard that brought us a lot of natural snow and great snowmaking conditions, which allowed us to build up this excellent base and have an amazing opening week. Swiss Valley says it's got stored snow along with creating its own, which allows for families to come ski or snowboard down its hills, even if it is pushing 50 degrees outside. The slopes say it's prepared for anything Michiana throws at it. We're constantly watching the weather. I mean, that's the biggest thing early season is making snow and preparing for weather like this. It's Michiana. It, it warms up, it cools down, it snows, it doesn't snow, it rains. So whether you're teeing off or skiing down a hill, plenty agree it's been a strange January day. Um, I was kind of getting sweaty, took my jacket off. Swiss Valley says it keeps the snow in areas that it know will keep, especially by making the snow dense. But it warns before you travel to check the website or call if you're concerned it could be closed. WSVT 22's Anne Larie reporting. Last year, members of the South Bend Common Council brought in an outside consultant to help manage the city clerk's office. Don Jones holds that job, and Mayor James Mueller was asked about this and other city issues this week in a visit with Bob Montgomery on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. I wanted to start with uh, the, the issue that's happening with Don Jones and the city clerk's office. The council hired this uh, independent consultant to come in and, and talk about and, and handle, in essence, to be a liaison between the council and the clerk and the rest of the city is Don Jones not doing her job well uh, when when the clerk uh, city clerk makes headlines uh, that's an administrative role and, and so you know uh, something's not quite right there um, you know the council is is uh, depends on the city clerk to to uh, carry out their business in many ways the clerk is the staff uh, to the common council and we've seen uh, you know former uh, governor Mitch Daniels uh, had put together a bipartisan commission on local government reform and uh, and the uh, Former Governor Kernan and Justice Shepard came up with a recommendation that the city clerk should be hired uh, by the Common Council. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, this is, it's critical that uh, this office is functioning. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why for reform, uh, it right would make now, sense not to be an elected official. Right now it appears as though we have, we're paying two people to do the same job. Which one should not be doing that job? We, well, we've got to get the job done. And uh, there, there's a reason why uh, the Common Council ha has hired a consultant. Uh, to help get the job done. Okay, I'll read between the lines and that you feel like there is a current problem in the, in the clerk's office. I, I just tell you that uh, we're just trying to get the job done. I'll, I'll let the, you know, the, the other, the, the other uh, throwing back and forth, the food fight, the, sure. to go with, other, with others do that. Uh, That's a perfect yeah. segue into the next question, and that is the issue of food downtown South Bend. We uh, recently had the story about Dave Matthews, the developer, and having the, the city dollars to build his apartment building, but also part of that, a, a crucial part of that, being a downtown pharmacy slash grocery store, sorely needed. A lot of people talk about the, the food desert in essence downtown. Uh, this alleged store that he set up, does that satisfy the city's needs? Well, you know, there are written commitments. Uh, this project has been going on for six years. Uh, there are written commitments that have to be followed. So, you know, of course, the, the lawyers and the appropriate bodies will review whether those are, uh, whether those are met or not. But I think uh, for folks, I haven't been down there myself uh, yet this year. But uh, the coverage here on uh, 22, looking at the pictures, I, I don't, it doesn't take a lawyer or anyone to say that's not a full-service grocery store. Um, I don't know what that is, 
but it's certainly not a full-service grocery store. Do you store. feel like the city should be clawing back some of that money? I think that's a, an option on the table that uh, we'll review with appropriate bodies as we move forward. I wanted to ask you one final question here, and that's about the Police Review Board Executive Director. Uh, we, we are not going to rehash everything that happened in the past, but you now have the basically the hiring and firing authority over this position. We haven't seen any movement on this in months. What's the update on finding an executive director for this Police Review Board? Yeah, so even though technically I do have that, but when we made the change from the clerk's office uh, to the mayor's office, uh, the concern was I appoint the police chief and, and appoint the Board of Public Safety members. And so I, I'm waiting for a recommendation from the Common Council. And they're, they're working through the process and, and hope to get some recommended candidates to me in the next uh, couple months. Have you had any so far? I have not gotten a recommendation from, from the Common Council. They've been working through the process because it's critical that we get this right. We saw the, the challenges and the dangers of if, if we don't get the higher right, uh, how that can set us back. South Bend Mayor James Mueller this week on WSBT 22. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb outlined his final two-year state spending package this week. Whatever your profile is, we're going to be focused on you. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb's budget proposal will add billions of dollars in new spending, with K-12 through seeing some of the biggest increases. 6% the first year, 2% the next. That's nearly $1.2 billion more for schools. And that's not all. One of the biggest changes could save you hundreds of dollars each year at your child's school. We'll also be looking to something that I've wanted to get at for some time now, and now is the time, carpe diem, I guess you could say, and that is eliminating the textbook fees for Hoosier families. With Indiana being one of seven states that allows schools to charge for books and curriculum materials, he's dedicating more than $100 million in the budget to cover that for public and charter schools. Health, another priority. We're going to have to do something different if we want a different outcome. Holcomb is committing $120 million in year one to local health departments and about $230 million in year two to improve Hoosiers' life expectancy, health outcomes, and the state's health ranking. And I'll cut to the chase. It's going to take dollars uh, to affect that positive change or impact or effect. Governor Holcomb also proposing investments to address mental health and drug addiction by expanding the 988 service in local crisis stabilization units, offering more grants to veterans groups to tackle veteran suicides and launching a treatment finder program. I won't go through all the rankings, but again, we're a target-rich environment for improvement, to, to say the least. Fentanyl is a major problem in Indiana. The drug accounting for 85 to 90 percent of all overdose deaths. According to state data the governor cited, there were 2,775 overdose deaths in 2021. That's up from 483 in 2020. The governor proposed a sizable increase to spur economic development and lure businesses to Indiana, including more than $100 million for site acquisitions, $300 million for tax credit flexibility, and double the funding for grants to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. WSBT 22's John Paul reporting. Goshen Community Schools is celebrating almost six years of its dual language immersion program. Waterford Elementary School in Goshen began offering dual language immersion to kindergartners in 2017. Those kindergartners are now in sixth grade at Goshen Intermediate, where they'll complete their final year of the program. Every year, a new batch of students starts in the dual language program, and it's growing in popularity. So this helps you do this. Mm -hmm. Helen Kiro Suarez is showing us her math textbooks. 
This is in... Spanish. Helen comes from a home where her family speaks mostly Spanish, and that's all she knew as a child. So when she started kindergarten here at Waterford Elementary... They decided to put me in this program so that I could learn more. She started in the dual language immersion program. Eliza Bell was also in the same class. I thought the Spanish was too hard for me to learn. Eliza's family speaks only English at home. Learning the Spanish and I, at first through the middle of the year, I just wanted to quit and be done. Both girls say as time went on, it got easier. Now the fourth graders are both bilingual. They are dual language, so they'll learn Spanish half the day and then go to English half the day, and they swap. Waterford principal Karen Brock says the school uses the 50-50 model for DLI. There are two classes per grade that are part of the dual language immersion program. Each class is made up of 50% native Spanish speakers and 50% English speakers. Then the students spend half of each day in a class with a Spanish-speaking teacher and the other half with an English-speaking teacher. So the kiddos who are learning Spanish, they're learning their math and their Spanish literacy, they're going to go to English in the afternoon, and they're going to do English reading and writing and some math reinforcement. And then the opposite is true. So they'll, the kiddos who start in English will go to Spanish in the afternoon. This is the Spanish-speaking kindergarten classroom. These students are doing everything in Spanish right now. Halfway through the day, they'll head across the hall to the English-speaking kindergarten classroom. In kindergarten, our Spanish-speaking teacher is speaking Spanish all day long. She uses a lot of visuals, a lot of hand gestures and motions for our um, English speakers to truly understand. But then the kids can talk to each other and help each other out that way, too. Shannon Aguilar used to teach in Buenos Aires, Argentina. It's just kind of funny because I used to teach English to Spanish speakers, and now I teach Spanish to English speakers. Now she's the fourth grade Spanish dual language immersion teacher. On this day, her students are researching different years of the World Cup. So one of the things about dual language education is that we want to make them culturally aware. Everything they do in her class is in Spanish. Through that project, not only are they learning something fun that they really enjoy and um, engages them, but also it provides them uh, with reading skills. They're really digging into information, researching. The data gathered about the DLI program here shows it's working. On state assessments like the iRead and iLearn, Waterford's DLI classes are well outperforming the state and the Goshen School District in English and math. It's why there's often a waiting list for kindergarten students to get into the program. The dual language program does a really good job of building students as that whole person and giving them lots of skills that they'll be able to use and transfer into high school, college, and beyond. Now I know a lot of Spanish and I can communicate with people. Eliza and Helen will continue in the DLI program even when they go to fifth and sixth grade at Goshen Intermediate. Do you like this? Yes. Do you like school? Yes. What is your favorite thing about school? Probably learning and like writing and reading. The hope is they will take with them all they've learned here into their future. Aquí en este enlace. The DLI classrooms also reflect the general Goshen school population and include special education students, English language learners, and students with a wide range of academic levels. When parents sign their kids up for the program in kindergarten, the district asks for a commitment that students will remain in the program through grade six. WSBT 22's Kristen Bean reporting.
Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 